Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another Smart Money Moves with Helena. And yes, it is a hump day. I love my hump days. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all who have joined in studio today and all of you out there listening. We have part two today of all things life insurance. As we are aware by now, September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. And what an amazing show we had two weeks ago with our co-host, Wavette Johansson, who is hanging in there with me again today, as well as we had an amazing special guest who just shared her story about how uh, she ended up getting life insurance, which was pretty happenstance. <laughs> when she was able to actually utilize it after understanding all of what it did several years later. She talked about how it was protected through some downtimes in the market, and it really helped her to start uh, a business, a really lucrative business during a time where everybody was uh, uh, suffering, or at least a lot of people were suffering during the, the first um, year of COVID right, of the pandemic. So very excited to continue to share stories with you. I have some guests popping in and out of here because I know y'all have busy, busy calendars, but I'm going to give you some lessons today for you guys out there listening on some very, very basic information that you need to know about life insurance. But before I get into that, let me welcome up my co-host, Miss Wavet Johansson. How are you feeling today over there in Northern California? I am feeling hot, hot, hot. I'm feeling good, good, good. <laughs> really? Because I was sitting there, oh, I knew you were going to say it's here. raining. Mm-mm. It's hot over here. <laughs> well, that's all right. That's all right. Well, our heat wave is calmed down in Southern California. We're down at 81 degrees, it says oh, right goodness. now on the computer. <laughs> so I love it. But welcome back. 81. Thank you so much always for hanging out with me. What'd you say, Colette? 81. It feels like 101. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the fan is working very well. You that's know, right. I, I got the blinds Okay, blind that's closed. what it is. That's what it is. I okay. love my natural light, but when it is yes. warm, I want the blinds closed so I can yes. get in the nice, cool air. So, yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to the show today. And we heard an amazing story from my vet last uh, session about how she got into, you know, understanding life insurance. And it was after her uh, husband was diagnosed with a very critical illness um, and not understanding what he could have used um, at the time with these living benefits, which we will talk about. We're actually going to linger that a little bit into October as well, because October is uh, National Breast Cancer uh, Awareness Month. And there's a lot of information that us women out there need to know uh, to protect ourselves with um, with the breast cancer. So we'll give you some information for that for next year. Next month, I'm sorry. But let's jump into this. I'll bring up one of our first guests today. I see Miss Moyo Fune Shabazz, a dear friend of mine for the last, I don't know, five, seven, ten, some amount of years uh, back in the day. But she is a fellow educator with me in this world of educators that I spend so much time and energy with. And she is a mother of four children who are grown in my world. <laughs> Most of them actually are. Um, and she is a wife, a business owner, and like I said, still in education. And so I want to have Miss Moyofune Shabazz jump in here. How you doing today? Greetings, everyone. I'm doing wonderful, Helene. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. Great. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's jump right into it. Tell me a little bit about now. I know you have policies, lots of them, but I want you to explain why you even started looking at insurance uh, on your own, not just through the job. Tell me a little bit about how you got into that. Well, as a lifelong learner and educator, um, doing college planning with students for many, many years through Young Black Scholars, thanks to Auntie and a bunch of different other organizations, it was important that I began to think about my future. And I, uh, like most of us, um, 95% of us or so, uh, my family is poor. You know, I don't have anything to fall back on. You know, my mom didn't teach me about the basics of financial um, planning, uh, 
thinking about my future or anything. Um, but again, being um, around uh, educators, uh, going to university, being involved in community organizations, I knew that I had to think about my future and plan for my legacy. So my oldest child is 27 years old. Wow. And, uh, yes. And um, so when I gave birth to her, I knew at that point that I really needed to get on this mission because now here was my child. And was I going to continue what my family taught me or was I going to break the financial curse and start a new path where my children and my grandchildren? have uh, a future where money, uh, they had a better relationship with money, they understood about money. So, um, you know, I started off with um, a small term policy and um, then growing and learning more finances, um, I understood that I needed to uh, plan for retirement. So that's where um, it really came into the fold, begin to save and to save aggressively. Um, and then as more changes happen, reconnected with auntie, um, looking to transform my life, looking to change my career, uh, reaching the cap of my pay scale, um, not knowing how I was going to break that ceiling and decided I needed a, an additional stream of income. And so then, um, the marriage to Helena came on. <laughs> Now I've been on this journey to keep my commitment in this uh, a marriage, so to speak, and uh, uh, join the mission, um, the labor of love. Thanks to uh, Jo, uh, jo, uh, jo on there to Wavet, and begin to share the mission of uh, you know life insurance and the value of saving and protecting my family uh, in the event that I'm not here to be with them. So that's a little bit about my why I um, got into. So let me ask you a question, right? You said when you first had your daughter, right? Your oldest daughter, who I can't believe is 27 right now. But when you first had her, you had a term policy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Don't don't make that face. Term is great. Helena owns a ton of term out there. It is an amazing thing. We'll break that down after we finish with our first guest. But you owned a term policy. But tell me why you had a term policy. Did you know that there were differences? Is that what you could afford? Is that what, why did you own term in the beginning? And it's so funny because she was born in 1995, which most of us know that was a great year in the insurance world. Mm -hmm. So, but unfortunately, I wasn't open to receiving new information. And so the person who got me to sit down and slow myself down was a friend who I wanted to support her mission. Okay. And so therefore, I really didn't understand what I was doing. Okay. I felt that um, I was going to be having protection. Okay. Which the but, number one function of life insurance is protection, death protection. So right. that's great. You got that put in place. Okay. So I didn't understand the other benefits, um, even though there were uh, individuals who were attempting to share the evolution of um, life insurance. I wasn't open to it until, again, um, auntie, uh, because of our, our great relationship, well, uh, allowed me uh, to sit down and meet her wonderful niece. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. How much coverage did you have in place 27 years ago when you had your your daughter? Uh, nowhere nearly enough. Um, it, again, term policy, nowhere nearly enough to cover any of my real expenses. Um, Maybe like 100000 250 something? I want to say about 150000 About 150000 yeah. um, And I'm asking these questions because I really want our audiences out there listening to just really understand how your situation could be similar to any of the guests here and how that really means that we should be looking to prepare. So, you know, one daughter, a husband, and you owned your home at that time? Well, at that time, I was a single mom. Single mom, okay. Uh, with the child. Okay. And, uh, I um, was still big into developing my career goals. So okay. I was still growing a lot. And so that was uh, what I thought was the best thing to do. Okay. No, it was a great start. Um, in my journey in um, protecting my family. No, that's a great start. So what we look at is 
as your life, you mentioned evolution, as your life has evolved, then so, so should your insurances. And the reason that is, everybody, is because life insurance, again, like Moyo Fune said, it's about the protection initially. And the protection means if you pass away today, how much money needs to be in place to take care of your liabilities? That is the first thing that you need to think about. And at that time, single mom, one daughter, didn't own a home, 150000 200000 not bad at all. Don't feel bad out there, right? It's supposed to protect the liabilities that we have. But as your life grew now having four kids, a husband, a couple homes, a couple businesses, right? Just like we go to the doctor on a consistent basis, we need to check into our financial situation every single year. We talked about that at the beginning of 2022. One of our smart money moves is to review our insurances and the plans that we have in place because there are things that change. And as things change, because liability is the first purpose, probably you're going to need some more coverage or you may need less because you paid off the home or because kids are grown or, you know, whatever it is, but you want to be able to review. So you had a great start. Then you mentioned, you know, much later in life, you started looking at after being educated. And I really think that is just a huge problem out there is that so many of our people do not understand all of the functions of life insurance. And it's really, really important to understand that it has been being used since the 1700s as a wealth tool, not just for death protection, as a wealth tool, as an asset. And so you learned about it a few years ago, five, 10, whatever it was years ago, right? And you mentioned the word retirement, right? So a plan for yourself, right? I'm not talking about what you, you know, looked in place for the kids, but a plan for yourself. Um, how did you see that working as retirement? And what does your retirement currently look like? Well, as an educator, I then was uh, presented with all of these uh, options to save my money. Again, not fully aware of how things worked. So there was a young lady who sat down with me and said, you need to put this in place. You need to put this in place. I respected her. I was thankful. It was, you know, a product that... um uh, a policy that um, grew savings for me. Um, and so I jumped on it and I was able to save because I only had one child. I was able to save um, $1,500 a month, which was great. Cause I awesome. Was that in your 403B for work? Okay. Okay. So educators out there, uh, um, uh, uh, corporate employees, they have the 401ks and we have county employees, the 457 city, you know, we all have different plans. There's the, the federal government plan. So a lot of us have um, the plans that are some sort of supplemental retirement plan. And in your example, it was a 403B. So you understood and learned the the purpose of saving because $1,500 is a very good chunk to save. Right. So I was excited that I could do that. <laughs> yes. I was so happy to do that. And um, then again, uh, fortunate enough, I, I, I met another individual and the question came about um, tax now, tax later, and tax advantage. And I still didn't quite understand that. And so I still reflect on that person because I think when they asked me the question, I said tax now. And I was kind of confident that I wanted to 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 deal with the taxes now and I didn't quite understand the advantage and so that conversation kind of ended but it left a question in my mind um until I was fully fully educated through uh the system that auntie introduced me to was I able to fully understand the difference between uh tax timing okay so tax-free access to your retirement, you mentioned tax advantage, that's a word that's used as well, but having some of your retirement money to be tax-free to you was a purpose for you in getting life insurance. Yes. Okay. So $1,500 is a big chunk of money to be growing mm-hmm. and to be growing it in an account where you can get the taxes out of the way, right? You guys out there, that is a huge, huge thing that you have to pay attention to. And I am not a tax professional, I can't say it enough. But if you sit down and try to do a real analysis, and there's so many calculators that can help you do that, but if you do a real analysis on $1,500 a month growing, 
for 20, 30, 40 years, right? Because within CalSTRS, you have to work 40 years to get 100% of your salary. That's the retirement service for California teachers. But let's say you're saving that for 40 years. That's already 18000 a year. 18000 a year compounding whatever interest, whatever little or great interest that has not been taxed at all. Let's just say with no interest, 10 years, that's $180,000. Did I count that right? Yeah, 10 mm-hmm. times 180, right? Mm-hmm. Of Or that's not 18, got it. Okay, so that's money that has not been taxed yet, right? So you get to retirement, you've been looking at this account the entire time, and now you're ready to touch this money. And just after, let's say I'm doing 30 years, right? Because we're going to say you worked for 30 years. You're at $540,000, putting that amount of money. And $540,000 is well above the average that people actually have saved for their retirement. Last time I checked, the median number that people have saved for retirement was about 65000 okay? So with with Five hundred and forty thousand. If you did that for thirty years, how much of that five hundred and forty thousand is really yours? Is the question. That's the true question. And all I can say is, I didn't make the right choice. I can tell you. And people, I'm not saying it's the wrong choice. I'm just asking us to be taught our options and taught somewhere in our sitting down to plan for retirement what the options are and how these plans really work. I wish I knew better then, you know, I but I did something. I'm glad I did something better than nothing, but I was fortunate to find a true system that I could understand where I could sit down and grow with to really begin to uh, take advantage of uh, the true benefits. So let's say we stay at that 540. You guys out there know I'm a numbers girl, right? Math was my major. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say we have a 35% tax bracket, right? Which is state and federal. That's just an average. I'm not even going to say that it goes up. That means your $540,000 is actually going to be to you $351,000. That's 65% of that amount of money. And if you've been working 30 years out there, folks, you probably make somewhere close to seventy-five dollars to $100,000. So you essentially have three to five years worth of savings just because it's been taxed. So again, if you have it as a piece of your portfolio, no problem. But what part of your portfolio do you have out there that is going to give you tax-free money where you can keep that full amount? Now, that's for you, Moyo Fune. That's only a piece of the puzzle. So let's talk about now, right? If you, not if. I know you have plans for your four children. Tell me why those four plans are put in place. Because they're not thinking about retirement. I no. think your youngest was how old at the time? Maybe 10. Seven years ago? Yeah, right? Something like that. So why get plans for the four children if retirement is not the, the purpose of that? Well, um, once I understood that um, age and health was the key, the younger um, that I got the policy, the cheaper was going to be for me, number one, because they were probably going to be healthier. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure I did something right as the mother and put something in place for them so that, you know, before they started getting older and other things came in that affected their health, that could have affected them uh, being eligible for um, a good um, policy that they could afford. So this question is for everybody, you know, tuning in right now. Not even life insurance, right? I don't care what vehicle it is. How how many of us or how early was it that we realized that we needed to start saving for our children, period? When does that conversation start happening? That's for all of you guys out there with children. I don't have them. I don't know. So they're born. <laughs> But is is that what you knew? When did you realize you needed to start saving for the kids? Well, yeah, because I got Isoke, the policy with Isoke when she was a baby. So I kind of had a sense, um, but I didn't get one for her. I just got one for myself. So then that's another question. (laughs) I'm just asking, right? So Wavet or, you know, Dr. Hathaway, tell me 
when you guys thought it was important to start saving for the children or was it not something until we're grown? I don't know. Tell me. When, when do we you think know, about Honestly, this? it didn't. I mean, as far, I mean, we save, you know, like you quote unquote save, but I, I don't think it hit me until Kevin went to college and I found out how much college cost. I was mm. like, it costs what? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, total, total shock. You know, we always tell our kids, you know, go to school, get a degree, you can go wherever you want to go. And then Kevin tells me, oh, I want to go to this private school in Oregon. It's like 50000 a a year. What? <laughs> now, I don't think you see Berkeley. It didn't cost nowhere near no $50,000 a year. So I think for me, I mean, did I save? I, I saved, you know, before that, but that was my wake-up call. So like, oh, my God, this is, well, I bet you got to do a lot better than, than, than you know, what, what what you're doing right now. So for me, it was when, you know, Kevin, you know, went to college. One of the things, and, and thank you for that. One of, and you have two kids, so you had two wake up calls, or did yes. you get it right for? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's funny because when you know Brian was going to college, I remember I said to Brian, "Where is your FAFSA form at?" You know, he goes FAFSA. Oh, do we need that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> oh, they thought money grew on trees, and it's not okay I to take so. free money. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so you realize at college time, right? Um, one one thing I, I've been hearing a lot lately. I guess it was a, I know it was a um a commercial. Um, and they were talking about how much it costs to raise a child to the age of eighteen. Um, and I think it was like two fifty or three hundred thousand, something like that, right? So my my question out there is 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 it maybe that you guys don't think about it that early because you're so busy spending so much money to raise these kids that saving doesn't come into play at the same time? Because $250,000 or 300000 that's a lot of money to put out for one. And some of you guys have two and four and five and 10, and I've seen them all. So is that maybe a reason that well, you I, don't get I, a chance to think early? I think in our household, first of all, it was never discussed. You just You just make it happen. Period. You you just make it happen. I remember, you know, when I had um, when I, you know, when I first put Kevin into a private school, and you know, Kevin was a very smart child from very early on, and you know, and I knew that the public school would not keep up with Kevin, and so I'm up here looking for you know a private school, and I find this awesome school, okay, but back then school was like five hundred something dollars a month. And I remember saying to my mom, gosh, I don't know about that. I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, for, for a school. And my mom didn't even look at my mom's garage. She, she, she says to me, what is your car note? And I didn't answer. She says, what's more important, a car note or your child's education? Well, I bet figure it out. So I was always taught, whatever it is, you just figure it out and make it happen. So I, and I think as moms, that's what we do, especially, especially as a, as a, uh, as a, a single mom. You figure it out. But it was never discussed why that when you have this child, you need to start saving. That was never in our household ever discussed. And so, you know, I think what I've learned more than anything else is to, you know, teach your kids about, once again, Brian thinks that I just like pay for stuff and it doesn't, it's no big deal. But, but that's on me. And that's discussing with Brian what it costs to go to college, what it costs to go to a private school. They, they, they had no clue. So what I learned, you know, looking back was we have to teach our kids about money and not just you guys about money, but, but the responsibility that comes along with it. You know, nothing in life is free, but I think that as a parent, you know, we just try to do our best with our kids and, you know, do whatever we can without making them struggle per se. And so we just take it on and don't discuss it. So looking back, I always tell people, I, if, if, you know, if I could change something about my kids, I will talk to them more about the responsibility of what things cost. So I want to add something to that. And Colette, I do see that you have a question, so I'll get to you in a second. I see something popped up in the chat from a, a single mom. And I guess she's responding to the question that I asked. And, and it says, definitely, because we're too, con- too consumed with spending for kids' necessities, right? This is not all of the additional stuff that I know you parents do, single parents and married parents and co-parents do out there, but you guys are just talking about the necessities of life 
overwhelmed, you know, being able to save, right? And again, I know I say this and please no one beat me up out there, right? Because I don't have any kids, but there's still something to the saying that we have to pay ourselves first, Mm -hmm. okay? And at what point in time does that become the priority? Because what I always say, you guys, I always say this, parents will and do unintentionally become a financial burden on their kids when they do not plan and prepare enough. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just mean you need to be financially giving your parents everything, but maybe care for them. Maybe, you know, live with them. Maybe prepare and plan the days for them because of ailments, because of serious health, because of, you know, whatever it is, finances, whatever. But there has to be something to that rule. And I'd really love, you know, folks thoughts on that, that you have to pay yourself first. That's how possible is that, I guess, is what I'm asking. And I know I see a lot of people, you know, and I've done it for many years as well, you know, struggle with that idea when something else is coming up, right? Colette, go ahead. You have a question or comment? Go ahead. Actually, both. What I wanted to say is I remember when my oldest daughter was in the eighth grade and I said to my husband, she's in the eighth grade. We need to put money away for her college. Mm. And he said, what? Oh, please. She ain't going to college. Yeah, We don't need to put no money away from her. And you know what? The same thing I said for my youngest daughter. We need to put money away. He was not the savings type. Mm. He didn't believe in long-term savings. He didn't believe in putting things away and making, creating wealth for anything. Everything was right about now. So what happens is that was a, a very long time ago. We both think very differently now. Mm-hmm. And and what comes into play is if I could have, would have, should have, which doesn't make any difference. But for my generation, we were not taught, and I say this on most of your shows, mm-hmm. we were not taught about the future. We were not taught futuristic planning. We were taught if you had insurance, It was only so that you could be buried as deep as you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. It was not about taking care of our people. It was not about taking care of our kids. It was not about what we left. My mother leaving nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I hear that. Right. So we were not taught the value. We didn't learn this until down the road. And now those of us who are 70s, We're trying to do like Fred Flintstone and catch up Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, yeah, because we were not taught that. And I now see exactly what you're talking about. I see it entirely different. But all of that comes with age wisdom, Mm -hmm. without anybody saying anything, Mm -hmm. with age wisdom. You see, you listen, you learn. And that's what's most important. You see, you listen, you learn. And we've got to make sure that our kids and everybody else sees the same thing. You see, you listen, you learn. And if you don't see, listen, and learn, find somebody that has the knowledge. Find somebody. Because my generation, we're trying to keep up. We're trying to keep up and we're trying to do some things differently. And it makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dr. Hathaway, I see you have your hand up. Go ahead. Yes, this is such an interesting conversation and the discussion because it does uh, take us to a point of this intergenerational, you know, I'm going to throw that word in, uh, uh, concern. As Boivette mentioned, yes, uh, her sons were uh, had high expectations. Well, the same is true. Uh, my uh, youngest son uh, was gifted and he, we knew that the expectation was for him to go to college. Uh, then my oldest son was a late bloomer. Uh, but when it was time for him to go, even though at the beginning, he said he was really, it was happy that we had made the savings for college at that point, And we had been saving, but we didn't know as much about the life insurance. Although my father had a life insurance policy on me when I was in college and 
uh, but no one ever shared that with me until uh, uh, much later. So yes, it, it, it's, it's a process, as uh, Moyo Pone mentioned too, uh, of evolution. And we are continuing to evolve. Thank you so much for introducing me to this friendship, Alina. Awesome. Awesome. So let me uh, let me throw a question out there. I see another guest on and I'm going to come back to you, Dr. Hathaway, um, as well. But I want to ask, I see JJ on the screen. Can you talk, JJ? Okay. So hi hi there. How are you doing, darling? I'm good. Good. So I know and I, I see another one of my guests, a good friend of mine, you know, talked about from the single mom perspective. Um, for you, I know you have your pride and joy, who is, you know, your son, uh, who's not a baby anymore either, right? Uh, how do you feel about life insurance for yourself, business owner, your whole life, as well as for your son um, in, in the aspect of teaching them about it, not just having them, you know, having it for him? Anyway. You know, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I actually... He came back home. He was in Memphis for a couple of years and then he came back home. And, um, of course out here, things are much more expensive. So the allowance that he had out there, as opposed to what he had out here, he said, well, mom, all my money is being eaten up by gas. <laughs> I said, well, is that my problem? <laughs> <laughs> this is your allowance. And then the funny thing I said is, are you saving? And he's 20. And of course, you know, I've been in the business for many, many years, but he still has not connected that savings component, which is actually, it's a habit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, bad mom, I had to slap my hand because I've taught him how to get good grades, but I didn't teach him how to save. I didn't make him save to create that internal habit. Mm -hmm. So what That's we talked right. about is what he said to me is, well, I don't have enough money to save mom because all my money's in gas. I said, well, let's look at your budget. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you don't eat Chipotle or Panera Bread or go to Starbucks, you can save 10%. I said, it, it's a mindset. If you don't start saving and sacrificing 10% right now, you'll never do it. It doesn't matter what you have. So, um, Teaching him that, that's where we're at right now, Helena J. <laughs> Wish me luck. But I, I know you have plans in place for him. How do you see those plans I do. Uh, uh, working for him? What was the purpose of it and how well, much to it? And you don't need to give us that number, but why? Full transparency. I, I, I love it. I, I started with $100 a month. Okay. And I actually showed him, you know, we did it on a calculator. Okay. To put $100 a month away. And see what that does if you start at 20 as opposed to 30. Okay. At 20, it was closer to the, I think, 900,000. Okay. At 30, it was 654,000. Mm. I said, can you afford to wait 10 years before mm. you save $100 a month? As opposed to, there's a big difference between mm -hmm. 30, big difference, that right? Like 250,000, I think. Yes. And that's when the light bulb came on. I said, so how many Starbucks can you get rid of? I said, because mom over here, I said, even when I can't, you know, I make choices to where I have to shift this to get that. I constantly put a hundred dollars a month into your plan. And then I also have a term policy form because right. I believe you got to get as much insurance while these kids are young yep. because it's, he's preferred. Yep. It's cheap. Yep. And the majority of that money is going into his, his cash value. Yes. And, and I can overfund it on uh, whenever I want to, and I can pay a little bit less on other months. So me just teaching him that and him actually seeing the difference in the larger numbers, he didn't get the $100 a month until I showed him the difference between 600 and 900. Yeah. yeah. And, I and said, that's a you big wanna, difference. Big difference. You want to be a millionaire or not? Yeah. With a hundred dollars a month, so I think that was um, that's where I, I think I opened his eyes. Yeah, I love it. I Thank you. I have more questions for you. Go ahead, Colette. And what I wanted to say to JJ's point and to Dr. Hathaway's point is that when you talk about paying yourself first, I was in business for forty years, my husband and I, and we were always told, "Pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. 
when I had 12 employees, I was paying them and couldn't pay me. And they were not making a little bit of money back then. They were making a lot of money back then. I had pressmen who were taking home a thousand dollars a week. And back then that was quite a bit of money. They take mm-hmm. home a week and I still wasn't paying me. I wasn't paying him and our CPA, our uh, tax preparer, our guys would say, you guys need to pay you first, pay yourself first. We didn't get it. I get it now. <laughs> say that again. Okay. Say I that get again. it now. Everybody out there, listen, listen. Yes. It yes. will hit if you are it blessed enough yes. to live to 60, 70, and 80 years old yes. like folks around this call. It okay. will eventually hit you if It'll you catch do up. not take It'll the catch time yes. now. Hear mm-hmm. it from these ladies. It's going to hit It'll you. catch up. It'll, and it will catch up. And and we don't pay ourselves first, but I'm going to say it. Some of you may not like it. I got to say it anyway. California sucks. Yes. Okay. You can't do everything that you want to do in California. You pay yourself first, pay for your life insurance, whether it's term or whole life or whatever it is. It's It's a cloudy kind of thing to see how you can do all these things. But you have to get to a point where you say, what is most important? Do I pay all of these sucky things in California because it's so outrageous? Or do I do what's necessary so that we can be easier? We can, we can definitely finally live a life instead of exist. It does not have to be. And I'll say this, just California. You know, I get your point about California, but when other places income are comparably lower, and then their bills comparably, and I'm not saying I'm not enough, yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. no numbers or anything, yeah. but we got to just think about the idea period is what you guys say. Yeah. You will have to catch up eventually. And you when will. you are in your twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, it is a lot easier to catch to up yes. than the old. I'll tell you this, yes. I'm 41 years old trying to lose weight right now. Y'all, yeah. it used to be easy in my twenties. It was easy in my 30s it was okay these 40s they are crucial y'all they crucial please please, listen just like Mm -hmm. that so will your problems be with money exactly if we don't make a point to figure out that number so my point for those out there who are listening is i love life insurance i can just chill i'm blue in the face i'll tell you how wonderful it is but regardless of what it is you got to figure out what your financial number is. And once you know that number, and I don't mean the number to live a bare minimum life. I mean a number to live a life that you want. You want to be able to travel. You want to be able to have this. You want to be able to have that. And I'm not telling you what that this and that that is. But you've got to figure out exactly what your number is that is needed for you to live at least 30 years after working. Then you can decide which vehicles work best for you. If life insurance is the vehicle because it's tax-free accessible money, then look at that as a part of the tool. But you must know exactly how much you're going to need, folks. The problem is we do or don't or don't care or whatever life, the you know, the, the current day of I can't, I can't, I can't, We have to figure out a way to do so, whether it means earning extra income, whether it means transitioning your income from W-2 to business owner, because trust me, business owners have a lot, lot, lot more access to their cash than a W-2 employee does. It is a big difference to bring home $100,000 on $1099 versus $100,000 on W-2. One of them, your expenses get deducted first, putting you in a lesser tax bracket. The other one, your expenses come after you pay the taxes. That is a big difference. It's about, last time I did the calculation of 100000 between the two, it's about a 27% increase in cash flow just for you to have 1099 income. 
And I don't care if you do it in addition to or you replace your W-2. You got to find a way to create more money for yourself because nobody's going to do it for you in order for you to financially live. Now, there's a point that I got to hit in my education. Y'all know I'm an educator, right? So, and I do have another guest hopefully hopping on here within 10 minutes. But um, there are three types of insurance out there. And I need everybody to write these down because there are way too many people who are still very, very blind to the all of the life insurances, okay? Three, there's term, there's whole, and there's universal. There are three, not two. Term life is temporary life. It will end, okay? It will end. It will end after 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And here's the hook to that. And I love it. I have it. But if you do not understand how it works, you will have a problem when the term comes to an end. You can keep the coverage all the way to your age 100 if you choose. But will you be able to afford it after that 10-year period or that 15-year period or that 30-year period? Okay, here's what you have to pay attention to when you get these term plans. You want a plan that is going to cover all of your temporary needs, right? Which may be your mortgage, you're not going to have it forever, which may be your educational expenses for your kids, right? It may be your debts, but you need to have enough to cover those needs. And if you cannot afford a permanent, get all of your needs covered in at least a term. And I've done day in and day out policy reviews for people and their needs. The average American needs more than $1 million of coverage. Because if they passed away today, their debt plus their income times 10 plus their mortgage plus their educational expenses for young children, it comes to more than $1 million. So you need to know what your number is. So term, I like to say, is like going to Costco. You buy in bulk when you go to Costco. A lot cheaper for a big, bigger amount of units of of purchase, right? So that's what term does. And it does not have to be costly, folks. You can get a million-dollar term healthy in your 40s and pay 150 bucks. That's a million dollars. Healthy. The less healthy you are, like JJ said, the less or the younger you are, the more healthy you are, the more the cheaper it is. The older you get, it may cost you more. But get it as young as you possibly can. Now let's go to the other two types of policies, whole life and universal. They are both permanent policies. Both are permanent policies, which means they grow cash for you. All permanent policies grow cash for you. They must be funded right, people. Hear me out there. They have a big chance of lapsing if you do not fund them right. Whole life is the very first kind of insurance. It does not have flexibility. And it has a fixed interest rate. You earn about 3 to 5% if you find a great one with some great dividends, about 3 to 4%, sometimes 5 with the dividend, on your annual amount, okay? That's a fixed interest rate. It's set from the beginning, okay? Universal life is a flexible policy, flexible premium flexible death benefit, maybe like Moyofuna, you start young and you have a certain amount that you can afford, but you want to be able to put more in where you can add to it. If you want to change your premium structure, you can change your premium structure. It comes with a lot more flexibility in how the plan works from now to when you are no longer funding it. The other thing with universal life is you have options with how the money grows. You can do fixed similar to whole, but less expensive. You can do variable, which is in the stock market, so it goes up and down. And you can do what's called fixed index, which is a combination of the two. If the market is bad, you get a fixed account, so you never lose a dollar. If the market is good, your money grows. 
So you get the pluses of the variable, but you are protected with the fixed. That is why it's called fixed index. And that can only be found in a universal life. So there are three policies, term, whole, universal life. Please make sure you get educated on how all of them work and find what's best for you. The biggest thing I'm going to tell everybody out there to look for on their policies, whether they're term, whole, and universal life, and being an expert for over 10 years in this business, they are not all created equal. You must have living benefits. Must. And those living benefits must include, must include critical illness. Must include critical illness. And what do you, I mean by that? If anything is to happen to your health, cancer, heart attack, stroke, renal failure, paralysis, ALS, Parkinson, blindness from diabetes, dementia, Alzheimer's, tons of the major organ transplant, major burns, there's so many accessible things. You don't want to sit there trying to figure out how you're going to pay for whatever care you need. While Vet talked about it last show, how her husband's medication for his form of cancer was $3,000 a day. He got the good kind for free on his first set of, of, of treatment. His second set, $3,000 a day to keep him from just feeling basic comfort. You don't want to run through your assets, especially since we already discovered most of us are not even saving enough now if something happens to your health. And that is when you're now, or that is when you're later, or that is when you have a young child. And these plans can get put in place from your zero-year-old. They have a social security number, you need to get it. You have to plan properly. I just saw my other guest come in here, so I'm going to bring him to the stage, and we still have a little bit more time. I know I have some more questions out there, but I'm excited to welcome this gentleman up. And the reason I am is because all of us today have talked about, or y'all have talked about y'all kids, and I have asked you about y'all kids and have said, what is it that you wish, right, you would have, you know, told your kids about, or when did you start thinking about your kids saving a particular way, and all of those questions, right? Well, I'm going to bring up, and his name says it all, Max Million Barnes, who is a lover of life insurance as well. And what he's going to tell you is just from his perspective, because he got this information really early. So please, please tell us when you started this, um, when you decided that life insurance was a tool for you, tell us um, what you got into as far as your, your product line and why. So come on in, Max Million. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Can you hear me, Helena? Yes, sir. All right, perfect. Thank you so much for having me on your platform. I'm super excited. Of course. So, yes, absolutely. Um, this is something I got introduced to, um, the, the Index Universal Life Policy specifically. I got introduced uh, back in 2015, 2016. Um, I started my first plan then. I have two plans now. Um, but at the time and still currently, I don't have any children. I'm not married, so most people would kind of look at me like, well, why do you have two uh, policies like that, right? That you're dumping uh, a lot of money into. And so for me in, in particular, once I kind of learned the instrument or the tool about what you're talking about, interest and, and different options you have to growing uh, money, I thought it would be a great idea to leverage it to buy other assets, you know, uh, which finally I'm in the process of, of doing that in terms of wanting to get into real estate. And so um, actually my mentor who introduced me to the information uh, his brother is helping me uh, find a property right now. As we nice. So um, that was the big, big goal that I had, you know, was to to purchase rental property to make more money. And so I thought it was a great idea. Um, once I understood how to use it properly to, to leverage um, the index policy, index universal life policy to acquire more assets. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of people my age, I'm 28 now. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people my age that want to learn um, unorthodox different ways, you know, to be able to grow their money safely, also have some tax advantages that come along with that. I believe we just need the right person, you know, really just to share the information with us. Um, but that's that's for me specifically, that's the main goal and main reason why um, I wanted to, to put my own money into a plan like that um, in order to, to build some things for myself. So. You were 21, 22, right? Because I did the math and I went backwards seven, yeah. seven years, right? <laughs> so 21, 22 years old. 
And even though you really didn't understand all of how it could function for you, you did decide because saving has to happen somewhere that I would start, you know, putting money into this plan. And can I ask you very beginning, 21, 22 years old, how much were you saving at that time? At that time, just 150. Just 150. Guys, listen. It's 150. The earlier you do it, the less must-haves you have in life. It's much easier to start 150 when, like JJ said, her son is worried about Chipotle and Panera Bread. Before you got the bill, before you got the this and the that and all of what we as adults know, having that conversation and starting them very early before everything is a necessity it is really, really valuable. So you started at 150, right, with this particular plan, knowing right. that you trusted the person that gave you the information, which is, of course, you know, a good thing. Right. But when was it when you really started seeing how to leverage the policy and why get a second policy? That was, the, yeah, absolutely. So um, a big reason why I got the second policy was I started to make more money. So that one was a, was an immediate goal, I guess, of, of ours when we first sat down and they looked at my money. Uh, which it really wasn't much money. <laughs> I just basically redirected a lot of the money I was spending. Um, and so once we did that and I started to make more money, then uh, I start to see after about the fourth year, three and a half years, I guess, four years, I started to see the money start to grow. And so I said, well, I need to put a lot more money into it if I want to see this grow where I want it to grow. Um, so I upped that a lot, opened up a new, a second plan and, and upped that a whole lot. Uh, put four or five times more per month Absolutely. to the plan um, so that I could see uh, the, the growth because, you know, I realized, you know, things are getting more expensive, you know, properties are getting more expensive. And if I wanted to get my fair share, um, I needed to, to make some things happen. And so the main goal at first was to make more money so that we can put more money away. So let, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So you, right, very young, starting this, which is a very big reason why we need to start young, um, started just saying, I have to reposition something that I'm spending, right? And I truly think, you guys, I do this for a living, and I sit with clients, hundreds of clients per year. And when you truly sit down and review your expenses, and I always give the homework, line by line, go through three different bank statements. Mm. There is not a person who truly goes line by line because a lot of us don't live off of cash. So we can find it in our checking accounts, our debit cards, our credit cards, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you go line by line, there are very few people. And I mean, out of the hundreds I've sat with in the last 10 hundreds per year in the last 10 years, there are maybe 5% of people that cannot reposition their money to come up with a few hundred dollars per month. 150 in Max's case. There's not that many people, you guys. It is just a struggle when we have already made our wants needs. That's the problem. When we make all of our wants a need, then telling yourself that you can't reposition it is where the problem comes. So really doing that exercise to find every, and I'm not telling you not to do those things, but can we do them in moderation? Money is just like your weight. I'm just, I'm going to tell you, everything is in moderation. Eat what you want in moderation. Spend, but in moderation. If you are spending, let's say, and I've done this myself, so I know how much I do, right? So I get it. I'm talking to myself too. But you want to spend nine hundred dollars a month on eating out? You're telling me you can't spend four fifty? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not saying what. You just what do you want? Is the nine hundred per month on food worth you having nothing to eat of choice when you get to that age? So that exercise of really, really skimming back all the fat is a very, very important, important exercise. Now. Max, I want to I want to go really really deep in our last couple minutes together into how you understand this IUL Index Universal Life is what he's referring to, and again, that's not the only policy out there, but it is an amazing universal life policy because the growth is never lost, and you earn money when the market goes up. That's what the fixed index means. How do you understand this leverage thing to work in order to get real estate? Because I have a lot of people out there, young and older, who want to have 
real estate who want a way to leverage whatever assets they have to get real estate. So tell me that in the next couple of minutes and then we're going to be done for today. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, typically, um, I mean, you would need, I guess, if you go the conventional route, you know, you need twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars, you know, in order for you to put down on a on a property. And especially if you're going um the route of a commercial, you need twenty percent down, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously that's where you get into the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you'll need to put down. And so for me, I didn't have, you know, I don't at the time when I first started, um, I didn't have not even a thousand dollars in my bank. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay. Well, if this is something that I really want to achieve, um, I can put a little bit of money away now. And, you know, if it does what it, what, what it's supposed to do, then I'll have, you know, 15, 20, $30,000, you know, eventually to be able to pour even at least half of that to where I can take some of that out, uh, whether it's through like a loan or whether, you know, I withdraw the money out of the policy. Um, and so I saw that. And I saw the rate of return, you know, that it was, it was, it was coming in at it. As I started to put more money into it, I realized that, you know, I could take 15,000 out, 10,000 out, $5,000 out to contribute to that, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. getting that, that down payment. Um, and plus there's so many different programs out here as well, um, you know, that you can leverage and you can utilize, uh, you know, that allow for you to do 3.5%, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously you want to talk to a real estate professional. I'm not a real estate professional at all. So there's not had a million on here. So this <laughs> yeah, heard all about it. <laughs> for sure. So you can talk to those people. Don't talk to me about that part, but definitely, um, um, that's what I kind of saw, um, mm-hmm. in terms of for me, uh, personally. Um, and what I, I think the other thing that helped a lot uh, diving deeper into my financial situation was, the fact that I didn't have a lot of bills at that time. Mm-hmm. And so taking advantage of uh, trying to not spend as much or keeping my bills very, very low or keeping my, I guess, my personal overhead very, very low so that I can, you know, put more and more money away because I believe, you know, once you start to have a lot more responsibility Man. in life, it makes it a lot tougher yes. uh, for you to be able to do things. So, you know, like you were talking about uh, spending $900 a month on food. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's every person in my generation, you know, so for us to save maybe $10 a day is really nothing when we look at how much money goes to um, Uber Eats. I mean, um, I ordered a salad. That's an adult thing too, Max, that Uber Eats and (laughs) the cart and the the, the convenient way of living, y'all, it costs us pennies every single time, dollars. Yes. It costs, it costs, it does cost. So yeah, I mean, I ordered a salad today and it was like 27 bucks, you know, and I easily could have went to uh Simply Salad, which I live in Inglewood, so it's not far, it's in the Merck, but <laughs> it's um, seven. I had a lot of meetings today. So I was like, well, we pay I'll for convenience, y'all. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Colette, so you, see what I, you see what I'm working with, Colette? That's I see. All y'all need to fire all the I'd rather not blinking. I'd crackers and water sounds real good. Water is expensive. Water is expensive. What you guys? We gotta honor the time of wrapping up our show in time. But Max, I really appreciated having you. JJ, really appreciated having you. Dr. Hathaway, thank you so much. Moyofune, thank you so much. And of course, to my awesome co-host, always hanging in there with me, Miss Wavette Johansson up in Northern California. You guys, everybody out there, go get your life insurance review. Call me if you need to. That's what I do. Reach out and get your plans and your policies reviewed. Love you guys. It's been another amazing Smart Money See you next time. Bye. Next time. Have a good afternoon. And folks, remember, this is where you get the good information. Every hump day, every hump day, you get the great information right here on itrmradio.com. Thank you very much, Helena J. Connolly. It's been great. Thank you very much, Max Million. Absolutely. Thank you, JJ. It has been great. Thank you, Yvette. As usual, a great show. Lots of information. Lots of information. 
We're getting ready for In the Mix conversation with Colette and Corliss. And we've got more information. Today is a Hot Topics Day. You want to join the conversation. You want to be right here with news and views that you can use. And don't forget, folks, we've got all the information for you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Work it all. 